What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, the Monday show. I see things a little differently. Hope you enjoyed the comic of the month. And uh, just a few days away from Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, excited about that. Um, excited to see, uh, actually really excited to see episode five of uh, Miss Marvel as well. And also finally, after eight, well, it hasn't been eight long weeks. That's a lie. But after eight episodes, season three will be in the books with the boys i can binge watch that next weekend or this weekend excuse me so i'm super excited about that because it's funny how this season must have something going on that i know hero gasm happened but something else uh, something this season must be the best season of the boys so far because i want to say the first four weeks well, excuse me because they dropped three episodes the first week so the first three weeks I, I barely seen anything. All of a sudden, I'm dodging freaking spoilers like the Matrix over here, and I'm like, "Whoa, this never happened before." You know, you know, even last year um, or two years ago, whenever it was, they dropped season two. I didn't hear anything, and that was a pretty fucking good season. But something's going on this season. I know this year they get this this, this season they get superpowers, um, but I'm interested to see where this goes uh so that's, that's exciting um as i record this this is sunday um money in the bank happened last night uh it was a card that i was not overly impressed with i could care less about um matter of fact let's start with money in the bank as a matter of fact then we'll hit some AEW stuff um a lot of this was telegraphed once the show started which made it interesting to me so, like, example, they start off with Liv Morgan winning Money in the Bank. So, I didn't see that, but if you think about it, it makes sense. I thought Lacey Evans was for sure going to get it because we have two babyface champions. We still have two babyface champions. Um, but it makes sense. Liv Morgan essentially has a dedicated fan base. They love her. Um, excuse me. They put in, she puts in a ton of work. You know, I think I saw a little clip from an interview. I think I did see a little clip from an interview where Liv said the reason why she was paired with Finn Balor and AJ Styles is because they wanted her to shine more. That's amazing to get those cosigns right there. So she had a great moment. Her fans had a great moment. I believe they said her sister was in the arena. Um, she won the money in the bank. And the rest of the night, you knew what was going to happen. And fun fact... And I got this from Brian Zane, the wrestling regret. So, just so you guys know, just tip hat to him, tip hat, tip hat to him. But um, I didn't even think about this until then, until he said something. They le- legitimately, Brian, I mean, uh, WWE legitimately does not know what to do with women's money in the bank, but they know they need one because they don't have one. A lot of fans will have a problem with it. The woman probably would have a problem with it. They haven't had a woman go more than 14 days without cashing in in five years. Think about that. That's crazy. They just do it to get it over with. And all night tonight, I knew she was. I knew she was cashing in. As soon as see if it was Lacey Evans, I would say she would have done it on, on Raw or SmackDown. 
Once Liv Morgan wants to, oh, she's cashing in. She's winning the belt tonight. I was surprised they had her do it on Ronda. We'll get to that in a second. But I knew she was cashing in immediately. And I was like, all right, cool. So let's go to the next match of the night. Bobby Lashley is a three-time United States champion, defeating Austin Theory. That surprised me. But then we get to the end of the show, it shouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> but once again, it was set up for whatever. Well, they've been giving Lashley a push. He gets the U.S. title um, as a babyface. So good for him. They had a good match. Up next was Bianca versus Carmella. Bianca, of course, retains. And this was the setup for what to happen two matches later. I see Bianca wins. Carmella beats her down. And the only reason I knew she wasn't cashing on Bianca is they had, they did too much of a tease. Usually, when the, the person that got the, that does the beating up leaves, they pan on them, and I, it, it's maybe no more than 10 seconds and you hear the music play. They pan on Carmella for so long. I said, well, Bianca has recovered. She just beat her down a little bit. They send the camera back to Bianca. She's up. I was like, okay. She's cashing in on, on Ronda. I said, that's crazy, though. Because I didn't think they would actually have Ronda lose just to have Liv cash in on Natalia. So, the Usos and the Street Profits have a, have a match. They get I, This has to be one of the longest tag team matches on a pay-per-view they've ever done. This is only a six-match card. Um, but they gave them 23 minutes. This was a really good match. In the end, it was some controversy. Um, Dusos win with the 1D. All of a sudden, uh, Hawkins comes in, and he's, like, talking to uh, Montez. I'm like, are they fighting? And then I see Montez keep setting his shoulders up. I was like, was his shoulder up? So um, you see the replay when Jimmy hooks Montez Ford's body, he essentially puts his arm up. So it wasn't like Montez Ford kicked out, but his shoulder was technically up. They shouldn't have his his shoulder was up before one. It shouldn't even be an account. Well, the Usos retain. Now this is gonna lead to a rematch at Summer. It has to be has to lead to a rematch at SummerSlam. Um, this was the match of the night for sure, in my opinion. Then you had Ronda Rousey versus Natalya. There's no way these two couldn't go in and have a, a good match. I believe these two are great friends in real life as well. And let me say something. I have to say this. So I think Natalya is one of those wrestlers who wanted as a lifer at WWE. I don't see her ever going anywhere else, which is crazy when you think about it because like Lita, Trish Stratus are lifers in WWE as well, but they retired early. They do other things. They have other passions, right? Natalia is a heart in and out. They only wrestle. And so I think that's why people just don't care about her. Unfortunately, because she's been around for so long. And I don't know how long she's been. I, I don't know the exact year, but it has to be close to what, 15 years now. Matter of fact, let's fucking look it up together. Um, let's see. There we go. When did she debut? I did not know she was 40 years old. That's interesting. Mm-mm-mm-mm. 
right, thank you very much. Let's see. It says she was on the independent circuit in 2007 and 2000. Excuse me, 2000 to 2007. Mm -hmm. It says she was wrestling in Japan. She signed a contract in 2007. It's been exactly 15 years. That's crazy. Anyways, um, I think that's why people find it hard to care. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I don't wake up every day praying to baby Jesus saying, oh, my goodness, please let me see Natalia wrestle tonight. Um, honestly, it's more because I think she's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> a crush on her. But, no, I, I think it makes her underrated, though. Because she can't. We've seen her have great matches with everybody she's wrestled with. We've seen her. She's just a great overall wrestler. You know, she's a wrestler's wrestler, you know? And so it's one of those situations where I can see why people just didn't care. And also, you have to understand, also, Ronda Rousey comes off as unbeatable. There's only three people that actually pinned her to the mat. The third happened in this match. Well, after this match. But, like, her losses will be very slim. And I just don't see Natalia ever getting one. Especially when Natalia's pushing submission moves. They're not going to make Ronda tap. Ronda may get knocked out because we've seen her get knocked out. <coughs> Excuse me. But they won't have her tap. Um, but anyways, Ronda Rousey and Natalia have a, have a decent match, nice match. Natalia taps out to an arm bar, and then which is a weakling in arm bar, and then all of a sudden, like Ronda was selling the knee. It's like okay, we're seeing it for sure. All of a sudden, Love's music hits, and um, she goes for a kick. She gets put in the ankle lock. My first thought was, I can definitely see it going one or two ways: her tapping or her pinning. I didn't. I, I think she. I thought she was in the ankle lock for ways so long. I was like, oh, they may have her tap, but then you see her kick the knee, the, the bad knee of Ronda. Roll up. Ronda can't kick out. One, two, three. Liv wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. Her first champion. I think it's her first championship ever. Yeah, because she's never even won the tag. Has she ever won the tag? No. Did she win the tag team titles? I don't think so. Her, because she's been in like tag team after tag team after tag team. I don't think she's ever won. Let's just be sure about this. Oh shit. I had not know Liv Morgan was 28 years old. That's crazy. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her first championship, she pins Ronda Rousey. One of three women to do that in the WWE. Becky Lynch being one. Charlotte Flair being the other. And Ronda being... And Liv being the other. Um... This was a big night for her. Congratulations to her, obviously. Um, to me, I don't know how long she's meant to have that belt because you gotta remember she's on the same brand as Charlotte Flair, who has to be coming back very soon. Andrade is already back to work, um, which means she'll be back to work very soon. 
Um, you still have Ronda on that um, roster as well. I would imagine, though, when Ronda comes back, Ronda's going to be a heel. And she said in the interview she was supposed to come back as a heel, and Vince changed his mind and made her a babyface, which was a terrible idea. Um... So I, I I think there's a better story with Ron to be t- to be told if she is babyface. I mean, excuse me, a heel. Um, yeah, I just don't think Liv's meant to have that championship for a long time, unfortunately. But look here, it's a nice moment. Hopefully it's not a Nikki Ash thing where she gets the belt for less than a month because if she loses at SummerSlam, that means she'll be champ for less than a month. But it's easier to get the title than it is to... Uh, defended and that's saying a lot considering that Liv Morgan's had a ton of up and downs the last year um and so I'm interested to see what they do um but congratulations to her then we start the men's money in the bank where at the very last second you knew who the winner was going to be as theory was added to the match and Austin Theory is your new Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, this does bring things more intriguing. This does make things... I will say this, because even when I did predictions, I said the only person that could win this, in my opinion, it, two stories made sense. Seth Rollins' story that I said, and then the Drew McIntyre story. No one else made sense to win. Even Riddle didn't make sense. Um... But Theory having this as intrigue, because when does he cash in? Which belt does he go for? Like, he doesn't have a, an exact story. I will say this now. This makes his story with Cena even more interesting, because now if they don't delay the Cena match, and he has a match with Cena at um, SummerSlam, remember the history of Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank winners usually tend to lose a lot before they win the championship. If they win. You know, we have some situations like Sandow, Cena, Corbin, that they've lost. But for the most part, when you're Mr. Money to Make, you tend to lose a lot. You know, so you could see Theory losing. He just lost clean two hours before. So that's very interesting in that in that front. Um, I, I thought it was a decent show overall. Um, but obviously, this was a far cry from what they had planned. You know, to me, in my opinion, I don't care what anyone says, Cody Rhodes is going to win Money in the Bank. He was going to cash in. He was, for sure. Just my opinion. But um, it was very interesting stuff. Let's hit some AEW notes real fast. Um, no, before we go there. No, no. Let's hit some AEW. We're fine. The rumor, there's a rumor having it that even before Santana got hurt, he was actually, his contract's up with AEW in September. He was planning on leaving the promotion anyway. Apparently, him and Ortiz have had a falling out, supposedly. So, I've seen this from two different sources. I don't know how reputable they are. I've not seen this from Observer or Cassidy Haynes or anybody like that. So, I would take that with a grain of salt. But the fact that so many AEW wrestlers' contracts are up. There was just one member of the Dark Order. His contract was up as well. He's no longer with uh, AEW. Um, it's interesting. You know, that unfortunately, if this is true... Santana, for Santana and Ortiz to never hold the AEW Tag Team Championships is criminal. You know, there has been no, I have not seen an update on Santana, by the way. 
everyone's assuming it's the ACL, but I've not seen anyone confirm that or deny that. So um, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it sucks. Hopefully it's not true. Kushida has made his return to New Japan a couple weeks ago. I want to talk about that. Uh, I just wanted to mention it. I saw this and I had to and I had to say this. Jim Cornette says Christian's promo a couple weeks ago was the best heel promo in years. Do you know how much it takes to make Jim Cornette praise anything with AEW? Holy smokes. I saw that and said, wow. But Christian's shirt, the new shirt he has out, I have not bought a wrestling shirt in many, 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 many years. I'm thinking about getting a Christian shirt. It says worked everybody. <coughs> Which is hilarious, by the way. Let's hit AEW Dynamite. Orange Cassidy debuts his new music, gets the win against Ego Ethan Page. Christian Cage cuts another promo, and we see a heel Luchasaurus come out. He destroys Serpentico. I can see this going one of two ways. We know Jungle Boy's out with an injury. Another injury bug person. Kevin Owens is out with the injury, too. That's why he wasn't in. Wasn't he supposed to be in Money in the Bank? Or no? I don't think he was, but he said he's injured, too. Um... I can see Luchasaurus. Whatever the, the 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 comment that I don't, I hope that remember what happened to Marco line was not a throwaway line. I what I can see is before Jungle Boy can get the Christian Cage, him and Luchasaurus have a match. And I can see. I don't know if this Luchasaurus heel turn is meant to last a long time. I think it's one of those things where he's lied to. I can see it being a Sonic and Knuckles thing. For for those of you guys who don't know the history of Sonic and Knuckles, Knuckles, the reason why he first had a problem with Sonic is because Dr. Robotnik lied to Knuckles and tricked him and said, well, Sonic did this to your hometown. And that's why Sonic was attacking Knuckles at first. Um, Eventually, they obviously patched it up. They became friends. I can see it being that type of situation. I don't know if Heel Luchasaurus is here to stay. If he is, I would love to know why he's staying Heel and what Jungle Boy did to him exactly. But he doesn't talk. So, it's going to be kind of hard to get around. But a lot of people were happy to see Heal Luchasaurus. So, that's very interesting there. Warlow versus Scorpio Sky TNT title match next week. Um, we've seen, with the help of a lot of people, we've seen Scorpio Sky pin Warlow already. I don't think that happens again. But, it's going to be interesting. Max Caster and the Guns lose to Dan Housen and FTR. Bowens is not hurt anymore. He got caught with his hand in the cookie jar at the end of the match. He accidentally hits one of the ass boys. And by the end of it, the ass boys are getting really mad with um with the acclaimed. And Billy Gunn pushes one of his kids down. He, you can tell he's been upset with his kids this entire time. He's he's taking more to the acclaimed. Um, I kind of like this. This group grew on me. They if they come off as just they they fit. You know, but I will say this, as the acclaimed are rising, because the acclaimed have to be a future tag team champion. And by the way, Jeremy Potter, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but anyone who happens to have a Twitter, you can tweet Jeremy Pocket, uh, Jeremy Potter this. Where are my acclaimed action figures? Why have we not seen, we saw all these reveals at Double or Nothing. None had the acclaimed in it. This is very upsetting, as I did confirm that the shipment I am expecting on Monday or Tuesday, because Monday's a holiday, excuse me, is my Jay Cargill. Where are the acclaimed action figures? I need to have my collection. 
Oh, yeah, and speaking of action figures, I don't know how many of you saw, but AEW has signed a contract or a deal with Diamond Collections um, to make a, a line of toys. They're the ones that usually do seven-inch scale statues, you know, miniature figures, stuff I don't collect, so I can care less about, but I do know so many people want these things, so good for them, they finally get it. Jake Cargill retains her Women's Championship, and Lila Gray tries to join the baddies, but uh, she goes, Lila Gray, like, approaches, so what happens is, Lila Gray is challenging for the championship. She loses. All of a sudden, Athena, Chris Statlander come running out. They start beating down Cargill and Hogan. And all of a sudden, when it looks like Ember, well, let's say Ember, Athena's about to hit the Eclipse, Lila Green, Layla Green, or Lila Green, is it Lila Green? I think it's Lila Green, pushes Athena off the thing, off the rope. They end up beating them down. It looks like Stathley Hulkley, <laughs> it's like Hulkley Hathaway is about to, um, Shake Lila Green's Lila Gray's hand, and I'm saying I'm having a hard time with this part of the show, Lila, because I think because you know why I'm so self-conscious, I keep when I keep having to say names, I'm just gonna say Gray from now on, because <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm saying Lila is it Lila, Gray, or Layla, it has to be Lila Gray, right? I'm gonna say Lila, fuck it. So Lila Gray comes over and she's about to shake Hathaway's hand, and um, Cargill just pushes him. That's no. And she walks out, and they're just looking. He, he gives her a hot head nod, like, I got you. So we might have a replacement since Red Velvet's on the injury list. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, a lot of Gray's been someone they've used on Dark a ton. I don't think this was a, her uh, AEW Dynamite debut or anything. I think she's lost on Dynamite before. But it was an interesting development there. ROH will return to pay-per-view in July. With death before dishonor, they I'm I'm assuming we're getting a TV title match there between Jay Lethal and uh, Samoa Joe defending, um, and I don't know what else we're getting right now. That's the only thing that's kind of been promoted hard, but but we know we're getting FTR in there. We know we're getting a lot of stuff on there, so I'm looking forward to it actually. I hope that's that's I'm actually hoping that's in theaters as well. This led to blood and guts. So, this match was crazy. I'm not even going to recap it all because it was just too crazy to recap. However, I want to say Santana was in the match for maybe a minute or two. Here's a Yurinage, and all of a sudden he's hurt. Then this leads to, I believe, them um, putting Daniel Garcia outside. He was a bloody mess. He was just hanging out. So, they made it even. But um, it, this was just all over the place. So much blood. Moxley's crazy behind brought in uh broken glass like every this was a mess right um but that was a good one that was a good mess um i think these matches to me would feel more special if we didn't see moxie blade so much or blood so much blood from him that's obviously the reason he is in there him and brian but um i think and hopefully not moxie's world champion again we don't need to see it as much I do think some of the stories he's been in, it's added to it. Whether it was with him and Garcia, um, him and Yuta. Uh, you know, you, even the Yuta was beat one bloody, uh, bloody in that one. Um, this was all over the place. And then you see in the end, Jericho taking Jericho taking a big swing on top of the fucking cage. These guys are crazy. You see Sammy 
Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Kingston had probably the smile of the year for his most sadistic smile of all time. He throws Sami Zayn off the top of the cage through tables, which, oh, it was crazy. Sami died. Then we had, I'm all over the place. This is where, how it's going to happen, people, so deal with it. Then we had Tay Conte, who was in a skirt that, what, like JR would say, what is she not wearing? Um, she hit, I think it was Aubrey. She knocked Aubrey out in order to get keys, opening the cage door. All you see is Ruby Soho come out, start beating her down. Tay Conte's dress is moving. I'm like, whoa, they didn't think this out very, very well. Um, it was just freaking bananas. Um, this is all over the place. I did find it interesting that Ruby was the one to come out. Look here, anything to get Ruby on TV more, I'm excited about. Um, I know they're now pushing uh, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm's attack team to call her the Thunderstorm. Uh, they're going to be facing Nala Rose and uh, Marina Shafir. I don't understand how Marina Shafir is getting so much TV time and she's not on Darkmore. This is frustrating to me. Very frustrating. But anyways, we at least get more Ruby Soho on TV because now she's inserted herself in this feud and it looks like her and Tay Conte are going to be in some matches. So at least we're getting Ruby on TV, which I, I, I can't complain about. Um, then as, as Sammy gets thrown off the top of the cage, you see A. Kingston with one of the most diabolical smiles of all time. He puts Jericho in a submission. Um, Cesaro gets on top. Excuse me, Claudio gets on top. He puts fucking... Uh, Matt Mar- uh, Mario in, in a sharpshooter, and Matt taps out before Jericho can. Eddie Kingston was not too pleased about it, but in the end, you saw him and Claudio kind of just hugging, whatever. And to have Claudio debut uh, on Diamond and win, be the one who wins the match, that's very interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know if this feud needs to keep going between the BCC and. <clears throat> the JAS. I'm assuming we're gonna get one more match out of it. Excuse me, by the way, but um, this was all over the place. I'm not even gonna try to recap any of it. Um, but it was very, very, very interesting. So, um, and because of blood and guts, AEW Dynamite did over a million viewers. So, good congratulations to them. Uh, Jeff Hardy, on a side note, pleads not guilty in his uh, DUI case and forbidden door. I know people thought that Tony Khan was lying when he said um, that it did over 100 buys because he said they said, how will you know it's too soon? I think he announced it in the media scrum. Well, it's official. They've done 127,000 buys. That's good goddamn numbers for pay-per-view right right now. That's good goddamn numbers. And you know what? I had Jonathan Esther ask me, um, was that the show, was that the best AEW show of all time? I won't give it that, but I'll definitely give it the pay-per-view of 2022 so far. I will definitely give it that. So, um, very interesting there. And I teased this the other day when I did predictions. Um, but they showed mock images of JR's action figure. And the one question I kept asking, and no one answered me, by the way. So, fuck you guys who I left uh, messages for and shit. I said, does he come with a chair? Does he come with a chair? Because that's the one thing I could say. I don't know if they've ever... I think I know Ringside Collectibles have done, like... Um, they still may have it up, as a matter of fact. Where, like, they do, like, uh, accessories. And so I know there's they have ladders for sale. They have chairs. Um, I know they have... 
the the booths, I believe, the commentary booths. Um, I see no chairs, but I've never seen an action figure come with chairs. I, I kept asking, hey, when they have Tony Schiavone, because they, they both are up for pre-order, which I have, um, will they come with chairs? Because I kept seeing them with chairs, but it was like before you see the mock images of what they're actually going to look like. They're like the drawn images, the scanned images, excuse me. And so all of a sudden you see the mock image and sure enough, it comes with a fucking chair, which means all three of them will come with chairs, which is super, super dope. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, as far as the, I know some people wanted me to talk about uh, him mentioning the name of it. I don't, I don't even know which name he mentioned because I had my TV on mute when I watched. Um, here's my thing. Me doing a podcast... Um, and you hear me shuffling my notes around. Um, I make those mistakes all the time. I'm not now. I'm not on national TV, and I also own most of my. For God's sakes, we will do research on this thing together, and I'll I'll have dead air, which is a, a no-no rule, right? Um, I don't personally care. I only cut the commentary commentary on for certain matches. To me, the commentary only only enhances certain matches for me. At, at my fandom level right now, like I listened to the commentary for Yuta versus Moxley, um, I had listened. Well, I technically did. I, I, I guess technically I didn't even mind the commentary for uh, Forbidden Door because I kind of had no choice but to listen to it. And I could have put on some headphones or something, but I didn't mind it. But I also can block it out as well. Like it's, it's just I don't let that bother me anymore. But I understand it. For many years, I could even when. Raw was going, 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 going downhill. And I had to listen to commentary. I don't know exactly when it switched for me, but it had to be those three-hour Raws. I was just, it was when, it was when Raw went from three hours and it felt like a treat to then it felt like a job. And I think, I think when I was in my first iteration of this podcast, why repent, I'm going to do it again. I think, that's when that click for me it became a job because I was burnt out doing that show because I was watching all three hours of Raw no matter what and I remember me and I can't remember his name but he he did he had a podcast on the Wrestling Observer and I remember vividly you know by that time I started just watching what I wanted to watch and me and him this is why I kind of wish I kept some of those shows um, but there's so many, I couldn't even remember. I can't remember the guys. I think his name, first name was Robert. But I remember me and him, before we went on air, we were, like, talking about stuff where we don't... Because he, he doesn't watch anything modern. He only watched old school wrestling. So, you know, he knows no new names, no nothing. Um, and he was like... He asked me, he said, why do you still watch it? I said, I still enjoy it. It just feels like a job. And he was like, well, don't watch it then. I said, well, I don't, I don't watch it. I said, I don't want to stop watching it. You know, I still enjoy it. But now I just watch, like, um, when was it? It was, was it, was it, it was this past Monday, as a matter of fact. I have the USA app, and um, I was watching Raw. And um, as long as you have someone who has a cable provider, you can watch it, you know, all three hours. I could tell you I probably watched maybe 25 minutes of it. It just doesn't do it for me anymore. I, I, I need to watch it in parts. Or watch it the parts I want. Um... But anyways, the point of it is, is just that um, I don't have a problem with it. But I, under, I understand you guys. But me, it will be very hypocritical of me personally 
to sit here and be like, yeah, fire him, when I don't even pay attention to most of their commentary. So, I, I or anybody's commentary, as a matter of fact. So, I don't know. I want to touch on this. So, two weeks ago was 20 years of Impact slash TNA. And, obviously, I had the cold, and I couldn't really... I didn't really want to overexert my voice. I was already doing too much. Um, but I want to give my top 10 an honorable moment mention of my of my personal top 10 memories of Impact and things that drew me to the process. So, as you guys know, when I do my list, it's never in a particular order. I just write it down how, I, how it comes. So, to me, the honorable mention would be crowning so many different kinds of champions. When I say that, I mean Eric Young was a world champion. Bobby Roode was a world champion. Uh, turning heel on James Storm. The James Storm had just had just had one of the, one of the most emotional title wins of his career. They break up America's Most Wanted. Um, then you have Bully Ray, which he will be on this list as well, uh, having the singles run of his career. Brother Devon getting a TV championship match. Like to me, I they were they tried to be the alternative. It didn't work. It tried to be the alternative to another level that they weren't. And that didn't work. However, they were still the alternative to help us see other people fulfill goals. We saw Bobby Lashley become who Bobby Lashley should have been in WWE the first go around. We've seen Drew Galloway slash Drew McIntyre become the main eventer we have seen now. Because of them, we have got to see people grow in advance, which is pretty fucking awesome. So number 10, speaking of, Bully Ray being revealed as the leader of the Aces and Eights, I thought the storyline was kind of stupid, personally. Especially when you point out the fact that when they, when Aces and Eights wouldn't have the upper hand, how the babyfaces, Impact, would not just pull off their mask when they had a chance to. It was like the reveals were so tiny, but it led to bigger reveals. <clears throat> and I did like the Bully Ray setup. I did. You know, I didn't see him being, like, the rumor at the time was so many other people. Bully Ray was never named there. If anyone says they named Bully Ray, they're full of shit. Because I remember watching the boards, reading the boards at the time. Not Meltzer, not whoever, you, uh, Wade Keller. No one thought it was Bully Ray. They thought it was a bigger name. And it was Bully Ray. And he got his, I think he's a two-time Impact champion, TNA champion. Um, so I thought this was... This is my t- this is my this is definitely if I, if I did have a have a, had to have a, like a, a an exact order list it would have been this woman ten. AJ Styles wins TNA title anytime AJ Styles won NWA gold TNA gold it was a very important moment because he is an original and a beloved original and essentially he was a sting of AEW of excuse me of TNA. And so it was always a special moment there. I I have TNA getting on Spike TV. For me, it going from the weekly pay-per-views, which could be quite expensive if you're just a young kid with no money, to then getting TV, I watched for a very long time. I did. Um, so important. Number seven, the rebirth. I just mentioned this, but the rebirth of Matt Hardy, Lashley, and Drew. Matt Hardy... Went from being the groom, excuse me, the, the 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 bridesmaid, to being the bride finally. 
we saw this storyline go where Matt Hardy held the TNA championship and then he gave it up and said, I'd much rather give it up than there'd be no champion, even though he gave it up and there was still no champion, which is weird to him going into his descent of madness. And then you see all these cameos from Hurricane Helms, Gangrel, all these people from his past who he was acknowledging as being a part of this broken universe. And I know, and I've said this on this podcast, as a matter of fact, when I reviewed Taker versus Mankind, Boiler Room Brawl, Matt Hardy did not create the, uh, the, the, what's the, what, the, the cinematic match. He perfected it, though. And so, so many people had a lot to do with it, but just Matt Hardy getting this, the, the first, I think that was the first and only time in his career where Matt Hardy, in a positive light, I'm doing air quotes, you can see me doing air quotes, in a positive light, Matt got more shine than Jeff. And I do believe it's because of Matt they resigned Jeff and Matt to WWE. Let's just be real. Like Jeff, they want nothing to do with him. They they were brought Matt for the Hall of Fame and a Legends deal, and he because he sells a lot of fucking action figures. But they weren't thinking about no fucking Hardy Boys. They weren't thinking about Jeff. They're, oh, thank God that problem's over there. Because and they were both problems at one point in time. But just the rehab and the rebirth of these characters were amazing. These people. I've said this on this podcast. Number six, Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle. This feud still to this day has the highest rated pay-per-view buy of all time. Samoa Joe winning the TNA Heavyweight Championship from Kurt Angle. The feud was amazing. This, you have the ex-WWE guy who had been dominating. This guy came in and wrestled all these matches and won all these championships. But the guy to take the championship from him was a TNA original. I still consider T- Joe a TNA original, even though I know Samoa Joe from ROH. But I feel like WWE didn't want him. You would think they would. He came from the same place as Cena. But they didn't. This was the most important feud in TNA history, in my opinion. Number five, the X Division. They were The X Division was so cool. And when TNA took their focus away from it to main event stuff was the death of TNA, in my opinion. The X Division, just the X Division match. Everything about the X Division was cool. And to this day, the X Division has the greatest match in TNA history, which is the Unbreakable 3-Way. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. Um, Yeah, crazy. Number four. Gail Kim and Austin Kong put impacts on the radar. Gail Kim is one of the most complex, confusing people slash characters in WWE history, in my opinion. She is one of a few talents to ever on her first night win a championship, world championship. Her first night, she won a battle royal that won her the women's championship. So you're like, all right, here we go. Right here we go. Here we go. And anytime she she had two stints there. And both times it was duds. And it, she thought about retiring. And then her and Awesome Kong have this feud that put the impacts, that's what they call the woman, uh, or excuse me, the knockouts. Um, I don't know why I wrote the impacts. That's crazy. That put the knockouts on the fucking map. And I remember. 
when they first had my, I don't remember which match it was, but I remember I got many text messages. Hey, you won't believe what Awesome Kong and Gil Kim just did. So I'm thinking it's like a crazy spot with thumbtacks or something. You know, Awesome Kong was crazy. So they were like, no, they had they had the match of the year for the women. Man, let me see this shit. And their feud kicked started off. Thanks to them, the knockouts were known. You now respected them, their women's division. I don't think they ever once had the strongest women's division, but I do think their characters were diverse enough, whether it was ODB, you know, the beautiful people. Their character, their women characters were so diverse enough to where you cared enough to watch those matches. Number three, this had to be on here. Christian Cage wins the NWA title. Christian came in and he was undefeated, I think, for two years. Before Samoa Joe finally pinned his shoulders to the mat. And that name pops up again. Um, and he was appreciated. If you, I remember at the time when Christian left WWE. And um, it, I remember he was in the main event. And all of a sudden Christian's gone. It was a triple threat match between Jericho, Christian, and Cena for the WWE title. I think it was his only main event pay-per-view of his career at that point. Um, and all of a sudden, Christian's gone. I remember, and a month later, Jericho was gone. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, like, and Christian was over with the Peeps thing, and Christian, and he had Tomko with him, and he was over. People wanted to see him succeed, and I couldn't, I was always confused. And obviously, as you guys know from this podcast, I'm a Christian guy. I just, everything about it. And, um, I remember vividly. Seeing him in an impact, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, you know. And I remember it led to later on the angle signing. But I remember when he won that championship, like I don't know, it was it just felt special. I will say that, in, and for me as a Christian fan, in my opinion, that world championship felt more felt better than the one he won against Alberto Del Rio in that ladder match. Because it was manufactured, and you could tell that WWE didn't want to do it, and that was proof by them putting the belt on Randy Orton two days later. But this match was special, and he won the NWA Championship, so that's my number three. Number two, we spoke about earlier, the greatest match in Impact history, the Unbreakable Three-Way. Joey, let's say Joey, uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels went out there. It was the first time the X Division was in a main event. I don't know what made them do it, I actually don't know, for as much as I know about that match, and for as many times as I have seen that match, and I own that match on DVD, by the way, I don't know the circumstances behind the scenes that led to them putting this on last. They must have just knew. And sometimes you just know. And this match stole, not just stole the show, it stole the fucking year. It was amazing. And for it to be a three, and three ways, I like three ways. I don't mind. I, four ways are a bit too much for me. But three ways, I don't mind. I know a lot of people don't like three ways because they feel like it's too formulaic. But this felt, this three way was so intense because you had all three guys in the ring a lot of times. You know, you had so, all three of them interacting with each other a lot. Um, but to me, this match just, this, this match and the triple threat match that no one will ever talk about is. The two triple threat standard bearers is the WrestleMania 20 triple threat match between Chris Benoit, Triple H, and uh, Shawn Michaels. 
And sometimes I even forget who wins this match because it doesn't matter. It was that great. But AJ Styles won. And he won it the only way you should have won it. It came out of nowhere. Daniels is going for a, uh, I can't remember the name of his finishing move, but essentially a double underhook um, bomb. And all of a sudden, Styles flips him over. Oh, you see a one, two, three. Daniels gets up, he's like, what? And at the time, Daniels was the, was the longest reigning X Division champion. And Daniels was up like, what? How did it happen so fast? And the thing I also loved about this was how Impact, to me, I was never clear on... Now it's been clarified. And it, me and my fandom, I think Impact clarified this for me where WWE did not clarify this for me. I was never sure how it worked in triple threat matches. Like, let's say if it's Orange Cassidy versus Pac versus Phoenix. If I if Orange Cassidy pins Pac, I always feel like Pac was the loser of that match. And I feel like Ray Phoenix just, it was just, you know, nothing, right? And... Because Samoa Joe's record was so uh, uh, sacred at that time, um, I remember Don Kitten wasn't Don because his name is not Don Callis. What is his name? Isn't it? No. He, unfortunately, this, this man has cancer right now. Was he? Um, let me see. Don Callis was a former. Don West. Uh, Don West was the one that said, well, Joe didn't get pins. He's still undefeated. I said, like, okay, that's, that is how it works. They were the first ones to clarify that for me as a fan. I don't think WWE ever clarified that. But also, WWE also wants the out so many times. So I can see why they don't. But uh, that match was amazing. I can still watch it to this day knowing all the spots in it. Fantastic match. And number one was exciting of Kurt Angle. I remember, I, I remember me being a huge TNA fan at the time. Hated the signing. I was like, why are we giving this top WWE guy just a spot? And then you see him, he won all the gold. But then you see what Kurt Angle did. You see him lose clean to Jay Lethal in a, in a night where he has three championships. He loses the tag team titles. He loses the TNA, excuse me, the X Division title, and he retains the TNA championship. But you see him lose to people like Jay Lethal, which was probably the biggest one in Jay Lethal's career. Um, I know everyone knows him for the, the woo-off with Flair, I don't think he pinned anyone bigger in his career than Kurt Angle. So, it, it, what he did for TNA was very important. And he was in TNA more than he was in WWE. So, it wasn't like he was there for two years and went back to WWE. No, he actually spent his prime years. I know he had demons. Uh, but he spent his prime years in TNA. So, I want to acknowledge the 20-year anniversary of TNA. For my fandom, it was a very important time. I needed diversity. I didn't realize as a, at, at that time in my fandom and my age, I didn't realize the impact of no pun intended uh, of losing WCW would be. I knew it was a big deal for me, you know, because I loved what WCW was offering. Even in their bad moments, you still got Booker T winning the world championship. Still in their bad moments, um, you had Scott Steiner winning the world heavyweight championships. Like you had people that I truly admire and respected winning titles that I was like, Okay, cool. Like I would never see this anywhere else, you know. Um, so I want to acknowledge it. So, anyways, that's your Monday show. Check me out on Wednesday, and I will be dropping at some point in time next weekend. I will be dropping a uh, a Thor. It will be an episode, a Thor Love and Thunder review. 
I'll remind you guys on, on Wednesday. Um, but appreciate the support. And uh, I am the Soul Chemical, and I am out.